Hi, and welcome to Bliss This House, Home Organizing with Maria Grove. I'm Maria, your host. I'm a professional home organizer with years of experience tackling clutter and helping build sustainable organizing solutions in my clients' homes. This podcast will teach you how to have fun with organizing, build good habits in your home, and a little bit of design. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I have with me a guest. Her name is Sarah Mitchell. She owns the company Pantry Independence, and I'm really excited about this conversation today because we're going to be talking about food security, emergency preparedness, all the good stuff. And what's really wonderful about this organization topic is that it really fits into people are always asking me, how do I organize my pantry? How do I organize my kitchen? And this really goes a step further. And how do I organize it for safety and security? So Sarah, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Sarah. I have pantry independence. I call myself the food storage coach and I help people uh, have peace of mind in the face of an uncertain future. And one of the ways that we can do that is with food storage, storing food in your homes, for emergencies. And a lot of times when people think of emergencies, they think of tornadoes and hurricanes, but you can also think of job loss and um, sickness and even things like COVID. You can plan ahead for those things so that when they come, you know that you will be okay and you'll be able to feed your family. Yeah, I was going to say, like, even with COVID, I mean, there were food shortages and it got to be a very scary time to go to the grocery store. And I would, I'm a meal planner. I I plan my meals. I go with a list and there wasn't chicken. There wasn't flour. And so I had to change my meals and my plan on a dime and really kind of wander around and say, all right, there's this meat and there's this sauce and I, I guess I'll put this together, but the, there were no bananas. There were no, there was, a, a, there was a lot of food shortages. Um, and it wasn't just, um, it, it was very scary. It was a very scary time. So um, how did you help your clients during that time? So I am just getting started with my business. So I didn't have clients at the time. What I I have my own personal experience of, I had my own food storage. And so I was actually able to share with my neighbors though. So uh, we had somebody who didn't have any rice and we have a neighborhood Facebook page and they were like, I can't find rice. And I was like, I have some. And um, I realized that I did not have enough vegetables in my freezer and my aunt brought me some. And so one of the things that, um, storing food in advance, having this food security does is it not only helps you, but it makes it so that you can help and be an asset for others. And so I shared flour, you know, and I also uh, told people how to make their own sourdough starters uh, because we couldn't find yeast. It was interesting because the shortages were different based on the area. So some places couldn't find bananas, but other places couldn't find hot pockets, you know? And so uh, there were some regional differences with the, with the shortages. But one of the things that you do is that you you plan ahead in advance. So when COVID comes, it's not the time to be like, I'm going to do food storage, you know, um, but you do. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people that did, though. Um, there were some charts about uh, excess buying um, in March versus the March before. And um, almost every state had, you know, 
more buying. And part of that's because our habits changed where, you know, maybe before we were eating out, now we couldn't, or now before we were eating at a, a cafeteria, now we couldn't. And so some of that was, it was a practical reason, but some of it was a scared reason where people realized, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get what I need every time I go to the store. And so the idea of this is to put these systems in place before, because that's what differentiates preparing from hoarding. Right. I love that. So, so as an organizer and you're talking about food security, what are the steps for food security that you teach your clients? So the first thing I teach is a mindset thing, because a lot of people have really messed up uh, mindsets around food. And that not only goes in with the way that we eat, but also the way that we look at food and the way that we store food in our house. And so we see a lot of people, uh, especially with the rise of minimalism, being like, I only need a week's worth of food in my house. You know, I don't, I can just go to the store and get whatever I want whenever I want. And as we've seen with COVID, that isn't always the case. And to make that assumption, I think is really unwise for something as important as food. And so the first thing we talk about is mindset. Why are we doing this? You know, are you doing this to be able to feed your family so that you know that if something happens, you can eat? And then uh, the next step is kind of uh, doing a vision of what are we doing this for? Because a lot of times in the food storage community, there is people go either one of two ways of like, oh, I have some buckets in my basement. That's good enough. Or you don't have um, a off-grid cooking system. Therefore, all of your preparedness is wasted. And I, I really, and that goes back to, to mindset thing. Um, some of the mindset that we work on is what is good enough for what you can realistically expect. And so I don't prepare for hurricanes. We don't have hurricanes, um, but I do prepare for fires. We get a fire season. Um, I prepare for winter storms. I prepare for things like job loss. I prepare for things like COVID. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to have my entire house be off grid. And that doesn't mean just because I don't have my house be off grid, that all of my preparation is a waste. And so what we do is we go into what do you want to be prepared for? And some of that comes down to what are you worried about? Right. And so uh, my sister-in-law, uh, she's actually one of my clients and I was working with her they live um, in a place that gets very cold. And so for her, off-grid heating was really important because she's like, I don't want to be cold. And so, um, but for me, I'm like, we don't get quite as cold as them. We have really good sleeping bags. It's not a priority for me. And so the next step is 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 vision, figuring out what are you worried about? What is likely? And, and what do you want to be prepared for? And then uh, the third step is, goals, um, which is, uh, different than, than the, the vision, because here's where you, where the rubber hits the road. Like how much do you want? What meals are you planning for? How many people are you planning for? How long do you want it to last you? Um, and, and what do you want that to look like? And we make a plan, um, uh, where is it going to go? You know, those are the sorts of things. And then the, the next two steps are implementation and, uh, maintenance. So where are you going to get it all? Um, because where you are uh, determines what kind of resources are available to you. 
And then um, maintenance, is, we, we do kind of a custom approach where um, depending on what your goals were, will uh, determine what kind of maintenance you're going to do. Yeah, I was interested in the nitty gritty exactly like where it goes, because, oh. you know, we don't want the food storage in the pantry with your everyday this is where your kids grab the snacks and then they're suddenly into your stash of what your emergency preparedness is. Um, so is it in the basement? Is it in a kit? Uh, do you have a box? What, what, what is, am I thinking about it the wrong way? What, what is it? What does it look like? Yeah. So uh, all of the above um, can work depending on what your goals were. And so there are different types of food storage. Um, one of them is the long-term basics, and that's like wheat and beans and rice and buckets and number 10 cans put in the basement. Um, another one is a rotating pantry. And so having an extended pantry where, you know, if I know that we go through a thing of peanut butter every week, instead of just having one peanut butter, we maybe have five or we have 10 because we're going to use them, you know, like 10 things of peanut butter is only what's the math on that? <laughs> like two, three months, right? And so it's not a ridiculous amount. You're going to be able to get through it in the amount of time. And so having what I call an extended pantry, where you have the things that you are using, um, but you have more of them, and it gives you a greater cushion. And so I like to think of it as um, like, just like how you have maybe a cushion in your checking account, you know, you might have a, a month's worth of expenses or a whole paycheck, um, your pantry, you can build up to be a cushion. You have a month's worth of groceries. You're working from last month's groceries, just like how you want to be working from last month's paycheck. Ah, I love that idea. That's really interesting. I love the idea of an extended pantry. Um, that's an interesting concept. Um, is that something that you would store? Like, again, you know, I hate to keep asking this, you know, it's, I'm just interested in where it's all stored. Is that stored in the pantry? And so you have lined up five peanut butters? Or is that somewhere else where you have it in a separate closet somewhere? And that's your your food stash, your extra pantry? So a lot yeah, of that I guess it really depends on, on the house. It depends on the space you have available. So some people have a nice big pantry. We converted the cupboard underneath our stairs into a nice big pantry. And uh, that's where I keep uh, my bucket of flour that I work out of, right? I like to have a whole bucket of flour because if you're going to make a lot of bread, you're going to go through a lot of flour. And I hate those tiny containers. You have to refill all the time. Um, plus, it saves you money when you buy it in 25-pound bags versus five-pound bags. So um, I keep those things in my pantry. I also have a basement space where I keep extra spices and extra canned goods um, because we have a large family. And so we need a lot of space. I have seen a lot of really clever ideas for people who don't have a lot of space if they don't have a big pantry. But some people have giant pantries. It really depends on your house. And so like newer houses, they either tend to have like a really great pantry or a really tiny pantry. And some of that just depends on who the builder was and where you live. Um, older houses tend to have smaller pantries, but they might also have a root cellar. At our old house, we had a root cellar and we kept extra peanut butter and extra coconut oil and our extra spices were all down in the root cellar. I have seen people put... Um, the under bed boxes and fill it with canned food. Um, usually when you do that, you want to have a list. Um, and some of that, so there's 
there's short-term storage, there's medium-term storage, and then there's long-term storage. So you don't want to put like chips under your bed. Those are a short-term storage thing. Um, pasta though is like a medium to long-term storage thing. So as long as it's packaged properly, like we're not going to get uh, mice. And so people like totes, people like buckets, um, canned goods, um, you know, fruit doesn't last as long as uh, fruits and tomatoes last a couple of years, beans and vegetables last longer. And so there, you can kind of also do like a hierarchy. I go through this really fast, so I need a lot of it. So, or I go through this really fast, so I want it accessible. So some of that's just, you have to look at your space. And that's one of the things that, you know, if somebody is confused, just like how you as a professional organizer go in and help people, you know, figure out what to do with their things and how to to optimally uh, place them that works in a way that works for their life. I can do that as well, where it's like, okay, let's look at what your goals were, how you eat, what you're storing and figure out a place to, to put it. I have personally put food in my closets. Um, you want to make sure that it's not like a South facing closet. Cause that does make a difference. And so, you know, storage conditions, I see people all the time. They're like, well, can't I put it in my garage? I mean, you can, but you'll be sad if you do because heat, you know, bugs, you know, light, uh, uh, water, those are, but, but heat, heat is really a really big destroyer of food and it'll cut your shelf life down tremendously. And so, you know, the number one thing is, is if you have things in a, in a temperature controlled part of the house that don't need to be there, switch it with the food. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so also I would imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to think about um, expiration dates. Yes. And that's where the short-term, long-term and medium-term comes in and also what your goals and plans are. So for some people, they really like to do what they call uh, eat what you store, store what you eat, right? And so if you're only eating food that you store and you only store food that you eat, then you'll never have waste, they say. I, I don't They've obviously never forgotten vegetables in the crisper drawer. I'm like, there is, for some of us, food waste is a part of life. But for people who are organized, good for you. That makes it so that you don't have to worry about waste because you are always cycling through the things that you're using. And so um, for some foods, uh, expiration dates are more of a suggestion or a guideline rather than a hard and fast thing. And there's a lot of research on that on the internet about um, food safety and tests that they've done on expired food. And so um, there are things like pasta, pasta can go years right? It's fine. Um, some of this also depends on your climate. So I live in a really arid climate and our food lasts longer, like, like, uh, things like pasta and even flour, because it doesn't get all that moisture and go stale. Um, and so if you, so climate makes a difference in that, but, um, but that's one of the reasons why some people like the long-term food storage. So some people don't like the, the wheat, like, what am I going to do with wheat? Well, it'll keep you alive if the disaster is bad enough, you know, mm -hmm. if you can, wheat, obviously. Um, and so with those sorts of things, you buy it packaged for long-term storage and it's designed to last 30 plus years. So that's actually where we started because we were in college. We were in a one bedroom apartment, but um, at the time there was a wheat shortage and it was 2008, which if you remember, 2008 was a little bit of a scary time. And, um, you know, with the, we were watching the markets crash on TV and we decided to do our food storage, but we didn't have space. 
And so we bought the long-term basics, you know, the rice and the wheat and the oats and the beans, and then we put them away in our parents' basements because it would wait for us. It has a long enough shelf life that it could just wait until we could deal with it. Interesting. So you've been doing this a long time. Since 2008. Wow. Interesting. So did you, have you always done this business? You said you just started. Is this something that you've just recently come to? You know, did you do another job before this? I have been a stay-at-home mom um, since my daughter was born. Before that, I was a secretary for a health company. Um, Before that, I studied physics in college. I have always tried to teach people food storage. Like I've held classes in my home. Um, I have done like the party. I've never done the selling of the the things, but I had friends who did. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Come do a party at my house. And and, um, I tried, I would teach classes for my church. I would go to preparedness fairs. I researched it on the internet. Oh, I spent so many hours researching all of this on the internet and telling all of my friends being like, look, this is a good idea. And nobody really cared until COVID. Right. And so um, we had some shifts happening in our family and it was like, I think it's, I think it's time. I think it's time. I think that people are ready to hear that this is a good idea and it's not just for preppers. It's not, um, just for canners. It's, it's not just for people in the country. Like anybody can do this and it's not only can you do it, but you should do it just like how everybody should have life insurance. Right. Exactly. You know, it's about being responsible and about planning. Um, you know, I, I teach meal planning so that you can cut down on food waste, um, and that you can be more organized in just your life. It, it really cuts down on the chaos at, at dinner time. Um, but this is a wonderful, when, when you approached me about this podcast, I was like, this is wonderful, you know, because I do remember having that palpable feeling of wandering around the grocery store, being terrified that I wasn't going to be able to feed my family that week. Um, and, and I, I was not prepared. I was not prepared. I was, I was a planner and I was ready to go, but I had not, I wasn't storing food. I wasn't prepared with my food storage. Um, I am not a canner. Um, I, uh, I have a small amount of emergency preparation for the, the small amount of things that happen in our region of the world. Um, so we have extra water, we have, you know, a kit downstairs for certain things. And I'd like to get into that a little bit more with you, Sarah, if I could, because you said that you do offer that kind of service as well. Um, but I don't have food because we used to have food, but then it just, it was like, it just sat there and it sat there for 10 years and nobody ever did anything with it. So this is really a fascinating conversation. So let's get into emergency planning in terms of kits and um, disasters. Um, First, can I circle back on the, you talked about like, there's a lot of people who don't really want, who stopped doing food storage because they watched their parents store food and then it all got thrown away, which is a whole nother issue in of itself. Like a lot of the things that have been thrown away weren't actually bad. Like we last forever. Um, it was found still good in the pyramids. And so if you think your wheat is old, as long as it's been stored properly, it's still good. It's If it's not, if it's younger than Egypt, it's fine. Um and the other hashtag thing, younger than Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> 
And this goes back to the idea of mindset where you had that food storage for 10 years and you didn't have to use it. But like, what about life insurance policies? Does anybody get to the end of a term life insurance policy and be like, oh, that was such a waste because I didn't die and use my life insurance, you know? And so we paid all that money and I didn't die. Exactly. (laughs) And so looking at it differently can really help and realizing this is, this is what I want and and there are ways to incorporate it, but it but for some people that incorporation is really um, doesn't work with their lifestyle, and that doesn't mean that they still can't have that security, um, you know, and having that food even if they never use it, I think is still worthwhile, and that's one of the things that I teach. Yeah, I would. I think the most important thing for me moving forward would be to find a way. Um, we have hurricanes. And then from time to time, we have a tornado touchdown from time to time. It's very rare, but it does happen. Um, And we do lose our power. Um, And I think the thing moving forward for me is that if we could find a way to get me coffee um, and and, in all ways, like whatever the power situation is, if we could if we could find a way to make me coffee, that would be great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that goes back to like the idea of what's really important to you. Right. And yes. Like, because if mama hasn't had her coffee, then really nothing else matters. <laughs> and the nice thing is, is there's so many cool ways to go about that, about that now, nowadays. So there's really cool rocket stoves that you can buy. So you could, you know, get a, a little metal metal kettle and and brew your coffee over a rocket stove um you could get solar panels um in order to uh, charge a battery so that you could power an appliance um you know there's just a lot of different uh options depending on what your budget is really that's great oh i love that yeah it's it's that's very important. Very important. So Sarah, you had said that you do uh, some emergency preparedness, not just food, but also some kits for other disasters. So let's talk a little bit about that and what you think might be the top five to top 10 things that people might need in terms of emergencies. Um, and we're talking like hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, blizzards, um, any kind of major power outage that Um, you find yourself kind of trapped in your home without any power. So number one is water. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people underestimate how much water they need. So the general guideline is you want two gallons per person um, per day. And a good idea is to have at least two weeks, because as we've seen with all of the recent, you know, disasters through the years, it, I mean, two weeks is, is, really the bare minimum a month would be better um but it's hard to store that much water and and so having a variety of different water storage but but having water storage in your home is important i see people all the time like oh i have a well that there are a lot of situations that you could get into where especially for emergencies where your well could be contaminated and not be usable anymore and so having both potable water and you can also have water that's used for cleaning um, I have a friend who went boondocking in an RV and, um, she, she's, she's not new to this, right? Like, but she used it as an opportunity to really test her emergency preparedness. And she said that three gallons a person was really the bare minimum if you want to live any semblance of a life. And so two gallons per person is like extreme emergencies. Um, 
you know, we need water for cooking. We need water for cleaning. Now, to some extent, um, you can also uh, include things in your preparedness that makes it so you need less water. So canned goods come with their own water um, and they don't need water to cook usually. Um, paper plates that can be burned or composted, that re uh, reduces the need for cleaning. Um, so there's things you can do, but but really number one you start with is water. After that, oh, that's tough. I I think that after that is probably depends on what kind of an emergency you're planning for, right? And so um for me, we have an evacuation kit. Um, because like I said, there are fires, wildfires that happen here a lot. And so um having everything that you would need to be able to leave is probably the next step i would say so first is water and then i think next would be an evacuation kit and you can use your evacuation kit in your home but it needs to be all together so that if you have to leave because a lot of times with hurricanes and with floods if your house becomes unlivable you have to go to a shelter and you're going to want um, a certain amount of your things your basics in in a kit that you can bring with you and so I would say the next one is a kit. A kit, usually there's tons of lists online. I have a list in my newsletter, but a, a, a kit usually includes um, a change of clothes, extra socks, um, some important documents, um, different uh, comfort items, um, a flashlight, uh, usually a couple of emergency things, you know, like a Mylar blanket. Um, my kids all, all keep like a stuffed animal and a little toy and, you know, just those sorts of things, um, are important in our vacuum. Oh, shoes, shoes is a, is a really big one. So we have a modular evacuation kit, um, because a lot of people will do backpacks, but we have a lot of kids that are little and we're not, we're not walking anywhere. <laughs> so tote is good enough for us. And, um, it has, it doubles some of it doubles as our as our camping kit so that we can be familiar with it and rotate it um but we also will use our we have a clothes bag that has toothbrushes and soap and shampoo and extra glasses because yes. i wear glasses and that freaks me out i do not want to be without glasses so all of them, everywhere there is extra glasses and then and and as an emt i will also say extra medications so your medications your inhaler your an extra epipen if you need it that those kinds of things it is so important to because you are not going to be grabbing your medications if you are running out the door you should have them prepacked for sure for sure yeah so a lot of people will um they'll they'll store they'll they'll do their refill they'll shift their refill schedule a little bit to give them a couple of extra ones that they can yes. rotate through and have on hand so yeah for sure well and we saw that during covid even you know there was medications that people just couldn't get and they needed them and you know imagine the peace of mind having you know a week's worth of medication would bring you when you go to the doctor and you can't get what you need and so no you're right for somebody we don't have a lot of um medical needs so you're right if you have medical needs then that's probably number two is that you need to have extra of all of the the medical uh equipment and and supplies that you need Excellent. Well, this is so interesting. I'm I'm fascinated, and I want to hang up right now and go make an evacuation kit <laughs> um, because I'm I'm woefully 
underprepared in this particular situation. I was working on my basement this weekend and cleaning it out. And um, I was, I, I saw two gallons of water, big jugs of water. And I'm like, why do we have two gallons of water? I'm like, what's, what is this? And I was like, oh, that's our emergency water. <laughs> and literally that's all we have down there. We have water. <laughs> we have gallons <laughs> um and it, for a family of four for an emergency so um i'm going to take your advice and i'm going to get more water i'm going to build an evacuation kit uh we do have medications in our house that are necessary so i'm going to come up with that and i think um you know i'd really love to uh, you said you have lists i'd really love to be able to get people your lists and um offer those to you so how i usually ask this at the end but i want to ask it now how can people get in touch with you so that um people can um get some of your checklists and get in get in touch with you just in general so if they want to work with you um because they're inspired to build their evacuation list right now? Yeah. So my uh, website is pantryindependence.com. And uh, if you want more than just the checklist, if you want to work with me, you can email Sarah at pantryindependence.com. Pretty Wonderful. Easy. And are you on Instagram as well? I know. No, that's okay. Not everybody. Is like I have that. a handle, but I have not figured out the whole Instagram thing. So that's, that's okay. Not, okay, not great. Wonderful. I am on Facebook though. You're on Facebook. Okay. Well, I'll link those two things. Well, this has been a tremendous conversation and I hope that people reach out to Sarah um, and get your lists and, and, and interact with you. I'm, I'm fascinated by this conversation. I really love the idea of the extended pantry. Um, you know, as a, as an organizer, I would come into a house and find food under a bed and be like, Hmm, that's weird. Like maybe we should get rid of that. But now after having this conversation, I understand the concept of an extended, uh, extended pantry. And I think that's a really important concept to have. And if people make food security a, a priority in their house, then me as their hired help, as their hired organizer should make that a priority for them and make that usable space in their home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to me, it goes back to with, you know, Marie Kondo has the, the, does it spark joy? And that confused a lot of people like, oh, does my bra spark joy, you know? But I realized one day that my totes full of clothes, I've got a lot of kids and clothes are expensive. And so I get a lot of hand-me-downs and I keep them in totes of divided by age. And those spark joy for me because when my kid grows, I go down to the basement, I pull out a tote and everybody has new clothes and I didn't have to go buy it. I didn't have to go find it. And, and so realizing that there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And then also, you know, realizing the difference between hoarding and preparing where, you know, preparing is having what you use, what you can use, you know, and and having a plan for it and 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 keeping it purposefully, um, keeping and, it and purposefully. It that's that's the key, you know. Yeah. But the 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 double side of what Marie Kondo was saying was, you know, does it spark joy? Because absolutely, and I and I still use that. I'm not certified in her technique, but I I say that to clients like you know, bling, does it spark joy? Um, but there are also the mundane things in your house that you need. You need a can of peas. 
And it's it's not necessarily going to spark joy, but you you need that. You know, my potato masher doesn't spark joy for me. It's not pretty, but I know that I need it when I mash potatoes. So I'm not going to throw it away. I need that. And, and me, it serves a purpose in my house. But for me, that that's the reframe of does it spark joy of... I like mashed potatoes and this makes it easier for me to mar to make them. Therefore the potato masher sparks joy and ah. we eat peas and I am glad that we can eat. So therefore the peas spark joy. Excellent. I love that. That's great. So let's move on to my questions. Sarah, what is your greatest accomplishment? And it can be personal or professional. Oh, can I do one of each? And one of each. Perfect. Okay. So my personal accomplishment is actually having five babies, which sounds weird, but my pregnancies are very, very, very hard. And so it's a big deal to have a baby, especially when you know, it's going to be hard. And, um, I feel like this last one, which was so hard, we all worked together really well and, and ended up with a baby and, and everybody loves her so much because they all worked hard to get her here because of how hard it was. So that's my, my personal one. Uh, my professional one is I have sent things to space. Oh my gosh. What did you spend sent to space? So I used to do physics in college and uh, I got to work with some uh, programs that were sending sensors. One of them went on the ISS and then one of them went on the Venus probe. So at one time I had things around two planets but the ISS one came back, came home. So now I just have things on Venus. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you know, mother I'm of, proud of that, even though that has nothing to do with my life now, <laughs> sent things to space. That's why I love this question. People come up with the best stuff. That's so great. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, what is your favorite book? This one was so hard. Like, <laughs> it's like, as you can at behind me is all my, not all my books. That's not, that's not all of them. And for those of you just listening on the podcast, what I've been staring at for the last half an hour is three, at least three bookcases full to the brim of books behind Sarah. Chock-a-block books, books, books. Um, so, and, and I can tell by the way Sarah has arranged her books that they are well-used, well-loved, read frequently and um, there is no room in her house. Yeah, there's there's no room in my house for more. <laughs> that doesn't stop me from bringing home more books. And so you asked favorite book. I was like, I could no sooner pick a favorite child. You know, the the Christian in me is always like, I should say the scriptures. But um, I'm not quite to that point in my faith journey where my scriptures are my favorite book. Probably um, the Trap Family Singers, which is uh, Maria Von Trapp's uh autobiography it's a wonderful beautiful delightful book from her perspective about their journey that is wonderful well i being named maria has have always um had a soft spot in my heart for maria von trapp that was my how do you solve a problem like maria was my wedding theme song my wedding march as i walked down the aisle to meet my husband that was what played. So I um, wonderful. love Maria Von Trapp very much. So that's perfect. Thank you so much for that. And what is your best organizing tip? Binders. 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 I, anytime I get stuck with what should I do with this? A binder. I have binders for my important papers. I have binders for Lego manuals. I have 
binders for kitchen manuals. I have binders for recipes. I have binders for journals. If it's paper, it's going to go in a binder. And that works really well for my OCD brain that needs to have things in the perfect little, they need to be organized very particularly. And if I do a book, it can't happen that way. So it's got to be a binder. Excellent. So you're a micro organizer. You like details. You like small categories. For some things. Okay. Yeah, I do. I So like my my um, homeschool books for the children, they're organized by subject. And and yeah, I think that counts as micro organizing. But I'm not one of the ones where like every single little thing has to, I'm not like the, the, the tray of of all the tiny things. Maybe I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm a micro. Well, here, here's the million dollar question. Are the Legos color coded? They are now. Yeah. So you're a micro organizer. Okay, then. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah. I hope that people check out pantryindependence.com. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've never spoken with a food storage coach before. This is really great. Learned so much today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the conversation and thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a lot. Namaste. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, join my free and private Facebook group. In it, I offer exclusive content and unique ways to work with me. It's like having access to your own personal professional organizer. The link is in the show notes to so join today. See you on Facebook.